Welcome to the Law School Admission Simplified Podcast, where we talk about all things LSAT, law school admissions, and otherwise. I'm Ben, and I do LSAT prep full-time. Um, today, we're just going through an interview with Chloe. She is a 1L at Gonzaga, which is up in Washington. In that interview, we just talk about, you know, what Gonzaga's like. It's mostly focused on her actual law school experience, some of which is probably applicable to all law schools others of which might be pretty tied in to Gonzaga. Uh, just for reference, because we don't go into it too deeply, but she is okay with me sharing. She had a low 160 something. I'm not totally sure. I think she had a pretty good GPA. I want to say like a 3839. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but it was definitely above like a 36. And she applied like we talked about in December. Um, with her, I did essays and whatnot, and she also did my LSAT class in like one hour of tutoring over the course of, um, what was it, maybe May of 2022 to like August. With that, I, yeah, so, so, so that's that. Um, I think it's a pretty good interview. Thank you again to Chloe for coming on, and thank you for watching. Alrighty, so this is Chloe. Um, yeah, Chloe, could you quickly introduce yourself, where you go to law school, all that good fun stuff? Sure. Um, like Ben said, my name is Chloe. Um, I'm a 1L at Gonzaga University School of Law. It is in Spokane, Washington. Um, so I just completed my first semester, um, waiting for grades, uh, beginning of January. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. Cool. And Gonzaga, um, that's a fun school up in Washington. Was it a close decision or were you looking at other schools back in the application process? Uh, the biggest thing for me is I kind of wanted to stay closer to home and my family. Um, I'm originally from Oregon and then I did my undergrad in Lewiston, Idaho um, at Lewis Clark State College. Um, and one thing about me, I rely on my family a lot for support and so I didn't want to leave them and go very far away so I was looking mostly at schools kind of in the Pacific Northwest um so Gonzaga um University of Idaho um Willamette down in Salem Oregon University of Oregon um I applied to one in Minnesota I have family back there um so I was like kind of why not um Oh, and then I applied to a couple down in Texas as well. I had family living down there at that point. Um, I wasn't really 100% sure about going down there, but I kind of was like, well, why not just apply and keep my options open? Yeah, it's always good to have a wide net and then make the decision in hindsight. Um, so in Spokane, I'm not super familiar with Pacific Northwest geography. You're from Oregon. Is it like, what, a few hour drive? Or how, how far are you away from your family? So... I'm about five and a half hours from like my home home where I grew up. Um, and then I'm only about two hours from Lewiston, which is where I did my undergrad. Um, and so I'm not very far away at all. And I do have a lot of, you know, good connections for my undergrad in Lewiston. Uh, my boyfriend's family lives in Lewiston. And so it's nice being only like a couple hours away from somewhere I feel comfortable. And if I ever needed anything, I could just go down there. Um, and then five and a half hours really isn't that bad either. Like it's a pretty, you can do it in a day drive. Um, right. So yeah, that was important to me. I kind of wanted to stay maybe under 10 hours. I feel like away from home. Yeah. Well, that feels like a good distance because you're separate enough to like focus in and lock in on school without your family, like calling you up for favors, but also you're not so far to where it's um, a real headache to like get home for holidays and stuff. So yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess, were there any, well, I'm trying to think about the geography of the other schools, I guess. What was so, the closest to kind of where you were looking or was it, were there any closer schools? Or, sorry. Um, so there's University of Idaho, which is in Moscow, Idaho. Um, and the cool thing about University of Idaho is they're the only law school in Idaho, like the whole state of Idaho. Um, and so that's pretty cool. They have like since they're the only law school, a lot of those uh, U of I graduates, they kind of just get jobs because that's right. the only law school in Idaho. Um, so I did think about that, but part of me kind of wanted to get a little bit farther away from where I was going to undergrad. Moscow was only like 30 minutes away from where um, I did my undergrad. And so I kind of just personally wanted to expand my horizons a little bit. Sure. Um, and so Spokane... It's just also a really fun town. And I think it's a really fun place for young people to be in. Um, and so that's kind of like what made me 
want to explore like Gonzaga a little bit more. Um, as for the Oregon schools like Willamette, which is in Salem, and then University of Oregon, which is in Eugene, um, those were probably like seven-ish hours away from where I grew up, and so not bad either. Um, right. I went down and visited. I visited most schools that I like applied to and I got accepted. Um, I only got waitlisted at one. I got waitlisted wait at University of Oregon, and that was kind of odd. I didn't um, hear back from them until like April. And at that point, I had already decided where I was going to go to school. Um, and so I just told them, you can pull my application. I didn't want to write something for them to like reconsider me. Um, and so I feel like distance wise, other than like the Texas and Minnesota schools that I applied to, they were all pretty like, like comparative on where I kind of grew up and so out of all those ones that I applied to I felt like the distance was going to be okay and so that wasn't really a huge factor because I just had kind of applied to the ones that I knew I kind of wanted to go to sure yeah I was just looking up the Oregon stats real quick it's odd that you got waitlisted knowing um your stats like I would not yeah. I, didn't, I don't know that I ever heard that which I don't know admissions can be random occasionally you like come across someone's desk and their ex-wife was named Chloe and they just have that like sour taste in their mouth before they even read your application so it's yeah. definitely good to talk to wide net um it was odd um side note I have a a really good friend here at Gonzaga who she applied to U of O too and she had actually like lower stats than me and um they waitlist waitlisted her and then she wrote something like I still want to be considered and so they reconsidered her and then she ended up getting accepted but she had had someone tell her who knows you know how accurate it is but that they just like needed more applicants they had like denied too many at first and then okay. were like, oh, we need we need more um so who knows yeah the past few years have been really weird and the, like the patterns haven't held constant over the years so the law schools they're used to receiving a constant number of applications so they kind of have a system but that system has broken down because the incoming numbers are different and they've had to adapt and some schools have done it better than others Additionally, some schools use the waitlist as a negotiation standpoint. Uh, Georgetown, back in like the 2010s, used to waitlist literally every applicant just so that they could get more people to pay full price, kind of like wow. a I'm better than you situation. Even if you were 184.0 with the perfect essays, they would still waitlist you just to put yourself, put themselves in a power position. I don't know if that's what Oregon is doing, but just looking at your stats, like, I know your application, you had, I, I think, like good stuff. Like, I don't think you had any red flags in your application. It's odd that they would... um. Well, you should be kind of a slam dunk admin at Oregon without much thought to it. At minimum, they should be willing to take your tuition and charge you, which, yeah. Uh, so when making the decision, was the uh, scholarship slash financial aspect a decent chunk of your driving force? Yeah, uh, Gonzaga definitely gave me the best scholarship, uh, which was very nice because Gonzaga without the scholarship would be like the most expensive school I applied to. Um, but from talking to my other classmates, they gave a lot of people really great scholarships. And so that's really good. Um, I did get pretty good scholarships at other schools. Um, a lot of them I got, I qualified for like the in-state tuition. And so that was a big help too. Um, like University of Idaho, if you have certain like LSAT and GPA, you'll automatically automatically qualify for the in-state tuition, even if you're not an Idaho resident. Um, and so it, it was a big factor. Um, but I also kind of kept in mind that if there was a school that I really wanted to go to, even if they maybe didn't give me as much money as a different school, that I still would consider it because, I mean, you only go to law school once. You want to go somewhere right. where you're happy with. Um, but it kind of just worked out that Gonzaga, they gave me the most scholarship money and it was kind of like where I wanted to go to most if that makes sense um and then I went to a visitation day in March which I would definitely recommend to anybody who is able to go visit law schools definitely do that because it kind of changed my perception on a couple of them um go do that because when I went to Gonzaga I got to meet some of the professors I got to sit in on a class um and it just kind of clicked I could just see myself at that school and so Gonzaga kind of just put a nice little bow on everything. They gave me the most money. It was close to home. I felt comfortable there. Um, so yeah, it just kind of worked. Yeah, out. and I guess long-term, because um, the thing I hear about, and for what it's worth, I'm fairly disconnected from the actual legal world and all that stuff. I'm you know very admissions oriented, but I do hear that schools a little bit, well, actually pretty quickly once you get out of like the very elite schools, 
it's very regional. Um, like, I, I don't know how much that holds true, but I have heard if you go to school in Spokane, working in Florida might be tricky. Um, though, though it sounds like you're fairly tied to that Pacific Northwest region. Is that where you see yourself being long-term? I think so. Um, I definitely don't, I don't think I want to go back to where I grew up. I grew up in a town of 300 people in Oregon. And so okay. there's just, there's not a lot there. Right. Um, I do like the Spokane area. Um, I kind of like the bigger city feel, not huge city, but bigger from where I grew up. Um, so I could definitely see myself here in Spokane. Uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho was right across the river and that's a beautiful place. Um, and then Boise, Idaho, it's about seven hours from here. And, uh, since there is only one law school in Idaho, a lot of times like Washington graduates will easily just go over to Idaho and work. Oh, sure. Especially with you're like right there on the border. So yeah. I'm sure yeah. Um, and so I did take that into consideration when I kind of decided on Gonzaga, like, is, do I see myself being here? And I did. And so I feel like that's kind of like why it worked out And Gonzaga isn't a super high ranked school, but it kind of worked for me because I do want to stay in the region um, and they have pretty good employment rates within the Pacific Northwest and a pretty good reputation too with attorneys like right. around here. Yeah. And my take on like school ranking and all that stuff is like, it really only matters at the very tippy top. Like, yeah, yeah. Harvard is functionally different from Gonzaga, but is like the University of Washington that different? Like, I don't know. Um, pe people see like, there's a big rankings difference. I, I actually don't know where they're ranked. I would guess like Washington's like somewhere around 50. Gonzaga's probably somewhere around like a hundred. I have no clue. Um, but the point is like, I do this all day and I couldn't even like ballpark where they're at. So I don't know. It's just not that big a deal unless you like really want to go to those very elite schools, but like Washington or Seattle is not that either. Well, and I'm guessing Seattle's probably lower than Gonzaga. I, I don't know. But, I think um, Seattle's a little bit lower, but yeah, I don't know. The price of living in Seattle was also like I couldn't do that so sure. yeah it's a very different um environment but which like it can be good but you know that's most <laughs> personal preference as well uh okay cool so as far as law school um do you guys take four classes is that the standard 1L like um, so we so we have five um but one of them is it's called profound and it's just like a class one day week and it kind of is just to work on like your professional skills um okay. kind of teaches you how to be a law student we kind of touch up on our resume and cover letters um do stuff like that so it is another class but it's a pass fail class and then we have three doctrinal courses um our first semester so i took uh torts i took criminal law and then civil procedure and then i took legal research and writing um, and so all of those ones were pretty, very, very demanding, honestly. Um, right. I think legal research and writing was the most demanding, um, in which that kind of came as a surprise Oh, interesting. To me. I would have like guessed the opposite. I would think that's like the easy one that you just kind of show yeah. up. Yeah. Well, I think it's very professor. It depends on your professor. Um, I have some girls in my class who, um, they have different professors than me. And so their LRW class is very like kind of lax. And okay. then, uh, my professor, she's great, but she kind of has that reputation of expecting a lot from you and she puts you to work, but by the end of it, you know how to write. And so, um, I am glad that I have her, but it was a lot. Um, and then my three doctrinal courses, again, mostly very reading heavy on your own. Um, yeah. and then, we took a midterm for each of those classes and then our final. Um, and then the midterms, midterms are really great. Uh, they kind of give you a gauge on how you're doing and kind of give you a taste for how the professor tests um, because every professor tests so differently and law school exams are so different than like undergraduate right. exams. Um, and so those midterms, they were anywhere between 15% of your grade to 30% of your grade. And so not a lot, like you still wanted to do well on them, but if you did good or bad, you still had to do good on the final and you'd be fine. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how it was. And then next semester, we all have, we have different classes except profound and then legal research and writing we take again next semester. Okay, nice. Yeah, that, um, profound. I'm assuming that is that professional foundation. Is that what it's Yeah, says? yeah. Um, that sounds like a really worthwhile thing because, I mean, you would hope that people are good at that sort of thing, like resumes, covers, letters, but as someone who does admissions, like you really see that people are not often as polished as you would hope. Um, and also like just to, you know, check in on folks and make sure that they're doing it correctly. 
Well, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, with, with that, those four classes and your little pass fail one between class and studying, how many hours a week would you like guesstimate that you were spending on law school related work? I would say at least 40, a lot of times over, um, especially during finals week. Like that's just kind of when you, you grind. I think like you want to learn the material all the way throughout, but then there's always stuff that you need to touch up on before finals and just get it polished. Um, the nice thing about Gonzaga, and I don't know how other schools do it, but my LRW class, we were done with it. We turned in our final memo before we went on Thanksgiving break. Um, so that was really nice. We got that big load out of the way before we had finals to focus on. So I was very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I would say at least 40. Um, and that's not what everyone does. I know there's a right. lot of people who maybe do maybe do half of that and they probably are doing fine. But I've always kind of been like an overachiever and perfectionist. So I feel like that's right. what I need to do. Um, and I also, I'm not working right now. I decided not to work my first semester. Um, and so I'm able to put in that much time, you know? Um, so I'm like, if I'm able to, then why not do it? Sure. Um, yeah. But it depends on the week. Like some weeks are a lot lighter and then it really does feel like if you have like a lot of stuff to do in one class this week, you have a lot of stuff to do in every other class that week. Um, so it kind of depends, but I really enjoy just kind of getting on a schedule. So I would usually get to the library at like eight or eight 30. And then I would usually stay to like six 30. And then, um, and like when you're, when you're at school, you know, some of your time spent in class and then some of it spent in the library. And then right. you also want to work in time to go grab lunch or go grab a coffee or something like that. So you're not doing stuff constantly during those hours. Um, but then that kind of allowed me when I went home, I kind of just had home time and I could unwind, maybe brief a couple cases for the next day. But um, everyone's different, I think is the main thing. Yeah. And and it's also not about like the hours you put in necessarily, because I don't know, some people's like 40 hours are much more efficient than others. And that can be yeah. like, if you're <laughs> in the library, but you're just like talking to people or like on your phone, like, yeah, you're there, but it's not really doing anything. Um, And yeah, as far as like some people doing 20 hours or less and doing fine, maybe, I mean, there are also 50% of people are below the 50th percentile. So some of them probably not doing great. Um, But that's, you know, you, you'll all know come January 5th. I think that's when you said you get your finals back. So um, that's got to be stressful. H how did finals feel after taking them? Like, I, I guess it's kind of impossible to know, but did you feel good about what you submitted? I did. Um, I've always been somebody who I feel terrible about something when I turn it in and then it always ends up being fine. Like when I okay. took my, when I took my LSAT, I felt not good about it, but then I got a pretty good score. So it's really hard for me to gauge how I did. Um, but once you submit your last final, you just feel like so free. Yeah. Um, so, and it was to the point where I felt like I studied all I could. And so it was kind of like, I did all I could do. Like that's, that's that. Um, so I do feel good about them, but again, it's hard to know. Um, and then you kind of just have to trust the curve and yeah, I, I don't know, it'll be okay. And the thing about Gonzaga too, is they, uh, enacted something. I think it was kind of like during COVID where you don't have to maintain a certain GPA to keep your scholarships. You just have to remain in good standing. Um, and so that kind of has taken a lot of pressure off. I think a lot of students to right. be able to just kind of focus on learning and not, have to stress so much yeah if i don't get my 3.0 my financial yeah you're, you're yeah yeah and if you don't have a scholarship back on zaga like i don't know how a lot of people would probably afford it yeah. well what's unfortunate is the people that don't have the scholarship are probably the people that are doing the worst on the finals and stuff just like the way that the law school scholarship game works is the people coming in with the highest lsats and gpas which while not perfect it is a predictive mechanism of who's going to be you know a better student if you got a 4.0 in undergrad while it doesn't directly translate, it probably does indicate like better habits and certain things that will translate. Um, so those folks, like you guys, because you were um, overqualified for Gonzaga in my estimation, are attending for cheaper and you're likely to do well in the finals, whereas the folks that are paying $50,000 a year are the ones 
who um, are likely to also get the bad grades, which is unfortunate. It's just how the system's set up, but um, one of those sad, sad things. Every year I see many, many people pay for law schools where their outcomes are likely not going to be good. And I just like want to grab them and shake them, but you can't because when everyone else is congratulating them in the comments, you can't be like, this is the worst financial decision of your future. <laughs> that, yeah. I'm just like, you're a hater. I'm like, I'm really not. I mean, I don't comment that because like, it doesn't do anything. I'm, I'm not actually changing anyone's mind, but like, I want to, I want to be like, this is bad. Don't do that. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds, oh, so I talked to Mallory uh, a couple weeks ago and she's at Syracuse, but she said that her final was just like all typing. I think she said she was typing straight for like three hours. Is that fairly similar to what you had? Um, again, very different for each class. Um, all of our finals were three hours. Um, my first one was criminal law and that one you were, you were just against the clock. Like all of us were just typing at like crazy speed. And then afterwards we all felt like we could have used like another hour just to type because it was so long. But um, we kind of also had to remind ourselves that law school exams, a lot of times they're not designed for you to hit every single point because that's right. almost impossible for some exams. It's just to hit the bigger ones and like all you can. Um, so that one, we walked out of there and I just felt like exhausted because you just didn't have any time to like breathe in, in a way. Um, and then my second one I had was my torts one. Um, and that one, I felt like we weren't up against the clock quite as much. Like I used all the time that they gave us, but it was a lot kind of, I didn't feel as stressed out because I just, there wasn't as much to type. And I think a big part of that was she had a lot more multiple choice in our criminal law one. Um, so a lot of our time was spent on multiple choice instead of like typing essays. Yeah. Um, and then the third one was civil procedure. That one was kind of in the middle. Like I definitely used all the time I had, but I didn't feel as rushed as my crim one. So I think, again, it's just very professor specific, how they set up their exams, how many questions are on it. So, yeah. but I mean, those three hours before I took my finals, I was like, oh, three hours is so long, but it goes by so fast. Well, I'm it sure really it's like, you're like in the zone. You're just so focused on the task in front of you though, the time. Yeah. Is wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, it does sound like the constant though is like talking to Mallory, she said typing is a very important skill and that if you're like not a good typer, it's going to really burn you because you just won't be able to get your ideas onto the page. Yeah. Um, so if any of you are not good at typing, um, go like, I'm sure there's like free websites or something, but figure that I out. I think so. Yeah, there's got to be. That's going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, okay. So at Gonzaga, um, how is the, I guess... I'm trying to think about the way to phrase this, but like, how's the atmosphere? Are people relatively, um, do you guys have a lot of obnoxious gunners or is it mostly people that are like pretty cooperative and helping each other? Um, so at Gonzaga, we have like three different sections. So we have section A, B, and C. Um, and our 1L, the 1L class at Gonzaga this year, I think was one of the biggest classes they've had since like 2012 or something like that. Um, but so those, 170 kids or whatever were split into three sections and you'll be with that section for all year um so I'm in section b and I think in our section we have 67 kids um and so I would say out of those 67 there's probably two or three gunners and they've definitely gotten better throughout the semester yeah. but it was to the point like where me and my friends we probably shouldn't have done this but we would keep tallies on like how many times people raised their hand because it was it was insane. And I felt like sometimes they didn't even have anything to add, which They're is fine. Say something. They're just raising their hand. Um, and then, but I think a lot of people were all very similar and were there to learn. And we know that the professor obviously knows more than we do. Um, so I would say there is a few, but a lot of them are pretty cooperative and yeah, but I don't know those, those gunners kind of make it almost more fun because right they kind of just bring like more interesting ideas to the table like you use some of them you never know what they're gonna say yeah yeah that sounds uh fascinating every day you just show up and it's like what's john gonna say today He's gonna do yeah. um but okay yeah and then i'm just curious uh obviously i'm not asking you to like call anyone out but do they tend to be i'm assuming they're not like the 35 year old in class are they more the uh like straight through undergrad kids or is that a false assumption I would almost say the opposite. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, we have a couple 
older, not older, but I would say like, I don't know, not right out of undergrad. Um, And I think part of that is they have a lot more life experience. So they want to share those life experiences. Sometimes they don't just necessarily apply to what we're talking about or they're way off or whatever. Um, And at Gonzaga, there doesn't seem to be, I, I think like the youngest age, which I'm 22, I haven't met anybody else who's like younger than 22. Um, So there are some people who are right out of undergrad, but a lot of us took at least like one or two years off. Um, But I would say the Gunners are, at least in my section, are more the people not right out of undergrad. That's funny. I I would have thought the exact opposite. Um, Just because like, I I would think the, uh, I I don't know, it is a small sample size. You would think um, people in their 30s would be more, well, I don't know. When you say gunner, there's a large connotation of that. So because there's, I'm sure a lot, like maybe there's people that are very engaged. There's also the kind of like socially unaware. Why is this kid still talking? Um, so there's like, I guess a variety of that. And I remember back in undergrad, um, I was like in a 200 kid intro to poli sci class, and there was one kid who would talk every. Year. It's like, dude, there's 200 of us. If we all talk, we're not gonna get through anything. Like just no. let the professor go through the slides. Um, but yeah, that's that's fun. So you said you have friends. Um. Has it been good socially in Gonzaga? Like, have you been able to meet people in your section or elsewhere? Yeah. So I have two really close friends. Um, we actually, we happened to meet at orientation. We had a two-day orientation before classes started. Um, one of them, I happened to just sit by at her table um, during like the morning session. And then um, we just kind of had a lot in common. We got along really well. And then later in that same day, another gal she joined us and then since then like us three have been like a trio attached at the hip um and that's been really helpful because they're both you know they're both very intelligent they're both very hardworking, and so we can kind of keep each other accountable and lean into each other when I don't know we're having a hard day or something and then we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other um so I'm very grateful for those two and then the more people like you meet and like the longer the semester goes on, you kind of just like meet more people and you're like, oh, you're really cool. I really like you. Um, Like I joined a all girls law school intramural basketball team. And oh, that fun. was so fun. That was like the funnest thing I did all semester. Um, And so now all of us are really close. And then you kind of just meet people who are a lot like you and who you trust and you just have a lot of fun together. Um, and so the environment is really good. Um, it definitely helps having really close friends. I think that going through law school alone or without close friends would just be very lonely. And I think it would make it even more hard. Um, and so that's a big thing. Um, but I mean, the environment, like everyone's pretty friendly. There are definitely those people who are a little standoffish, but I think you're going to find those people everywhere you go. Um, and then, like leading up to finals it was kind of like strange you kind of just got the vibe that people were kind of like in their own little bubble and I think part of it was maybe like they just kind of wanted to keep to themselves they were stressed out um and so the environment can kind of change as the semester goes on but um for me I was pretty lucky with making a lot of friends and um friends who like you aren't just in law school with like the friends that I made we can go out and do something else that's totally unrelated to law school Um, and so I think that was a big help too, because like, there's going to be days in law school where you're tired or you don't understand something, or you kind of just get like discouraged. Like maybe you had a bad cold call or something like that. And you kind of just need people to like lift you up and be like, you're fine. You got it. Um, and also people who just know exactly what you're going through, because if I were to go talk to, for example, my mom, like she's the sweetest person ever, but she just be like, oh, you're so smart. You got it which is great, but she doesn't, she doesn't know what law school is like. So having people who know exactly what you're going through is a huge help. And um, those two girls, are they around your age? Are they like, so one of them, she is 24. um, So a couple of years older than me. And then the other one, she's 27. And so she had been out of undergrad for several years. She was doing legal assisting stuff at a firm here in town. Um, And then she kind of wanted to go to law school for a few years, but it, she just never did. I mean, she was, she right. had a good job. Um, and then she kind of decided finally to go. So yeah, we're all in our twenties. Yeah. It sounds like it's a good, um, 
I mean, having a group like that, I have to imagine just like you said, they understand what you're going through in a way that other people just can't really, like, even if people, I don't know, like if you emailed me, not that you would, but like, let's say you did about like some <laughs> problem, I'd be like, good luck. I can't help you. Um, whereas, and I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not really in the world. I'm in the admissions world, which is kind of a different, I don't know, get people through the door and then my job ends. Goodbye. Good luck. Figure it out. Um, but which is fun. It's a good skill set, I guess, but it's different. Um, so yeah, that's all fun and good. Um, I'm trying to think what else I had. I had some other stuff. Oh, uh, I guess the future of Chloe as a lawyer. Do you know what you want to do? Like, obviously it's pretty early, but post-graduation or over your summers, do you have any idea or things you're looking at? Um, I have ideas. I'm pretty open to kind of whatever. I feel like I'm so passionate about so many things. I wish I could do it all. Um, I think my biggest thing right now, what I want to do is family law. Um, and whenever I tell people that they're kind of like, oh, like, really, are you sure? Um, because it is a very taxing and like demanding area of law, but I kind of grew up in the, seeing the court as a child, um, right. and seeing kind of how it affected my family and especially my mom as a single, like very low income mom. Um, and so that's kind of where my heart is at right now. I especially want to, um, help like single low income moms, um, with like their legal issues. Um, so that's where I'm kind of at right now. I've also thought a lot about being like a public defender. Um, I had the opportunity my senior year of undergrad to uh, intern for a public defender and then another attorney in there, he did family law too, a lot of like divorces, custody, um, things like that. And so I like both of those. Um, the main thing I just wanna work with people. Um, I right. think like, you know, being a corporate lawyer, like a patent lawyer would be really cool. But right now I just want to, I just want to work really closely with people. Um, but it's also hard to say, like, I think, and that's where internships are so great is you get a taste of it. And if you don't like it, then oh, well, like you're in it for maybe three months and then you can go do something new. Um, and so, yeah, I'm pretty open though, but I think right now I'm kind of focusing in on family law or being a, like a public defender. Nice. Yeah. And, and that's why I think like a school like Gonzaga is so great because like you're totally qualified to do all of that coming out. Um, I'm just looking at their law school transparency, which for those of you that don't know, it's a website that just breaks down basically um, outcomes out of each school. So it's a great way to really see what happened. Ooh, they don't have their job information. That's not good. Um, but yeah, it looks like most people work at smaller regional firms, um, a decent chunk go into public service and about one to two people a year get hired at big law, which is pretty crazy to hear that like one to two is about the um, average standard. Uh, so I don't know. Do, do you think you know who that one to two person might be or? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And honestly, uh, I had a professor like tell the class when we first started that sometimes the people who are most vocal and seem the most confident are the ones who really don't know what's going on I'm not saying that's always the case right, but it's, it's like, just really it's on. really hard to know yeah. like how people are actually doing um, oh it's impossible you, you never it's know impossible. Are, yeah. you understand. I mean you could do none of the work show up and just be loud in class and it might look like you know what's going on but you're like failing um yeah <laughs> or you could be on top of it and just be quiet like I don't know I, I was pretty quiet in undergrad not that I I just didn't feel the need to hear myself talk. Like if the professor called on me, if it was like awkward, I'd talk, but I wouldn't like insert myself. Like, oh, everyone needs to hear my opinion. Cause like, yeah. don't, no one cares. Um, <laughs> but I'm just having that self-awareness, I think goes a long way. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting just cause the only reason I mentioned that is um, I think people, if you go to Gonzaga, eyes wide open about like working for like, you know, regional firms, public defender, DA maybe, um, it's, it's a totally sufficient school. However, if you have like the dream of being like the next, um, what's the guy from Suits? Like Harvey Specter? Or I don't, yeah. know, I don't know. I just mentioned it a lot because all of you watch it. Um, but yeah, it's it's not happening out of Gonzaga. Well, I mean, it could for like that one to two people. Um, but I'm guessing there's more to one to two people where that's their postgraduate expectation, and that's a problem because like that's not going to be a thing. Well, I mean, it could, but for in all likelihood, it won't be a thing if you're playing numbers. Um, so yeah, I guess family law and public defender. It looks like you're gonna do good in the world which is always nice it's good to hear that um but also good in a way that's real occasionally you hear someone talking about like space law and I'm like I don't know if that's a thing but um 
that there Look is a law. Yeah, US News ranks the top 10 space law programs. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, can you point to some space law cases? I don't know that this has been much Yeah, I don't even like area. Yeah, I don't even think I've really like heard much about space law. Well, I don't think it's a thing. I think it's just like marketing oh. emissions program. Okay. Um, well, I'm looking, okay, yeah. Um, space. Oh, you get an LLM in space law? What? That's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty out on, um, like, there's, um, what is it? An MLS, which is a master's in legal study, which I don't know. It just seems like you're totally unqualified to do anything post-graduation with that, but. Yeah, I know a gal who went to do that and now she's in law school and like that master's yeah. in legal studies didn't really do anything. It was just really expensive way to spend. Yeah. Which is a bummer because like, you know, you don't have to, you, you could just sit at home. You could work at Subway for a year. You'll, it'll, you'll yeah. probably be better off in the long term. Yeah. Um, but I think people, especially uh, at our age, I mean, I'm, I'm a little older than you, but like still like early slash mid 20, I'm 24. Um, but I think people, they feel as if like maybe they're not in like graduate school or like getting things ahead on things. And they're like so worried because other people are doing stuff. They like rush yeah. in something and it's like, it's okay to just take a year and figure things out. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And no, in fact, totally. it's better than like rushing in um, and getting into like yeah. some plan that's not going to work out. Yeah. Because like adding on to that, I definitely, I didn't want to take a gap year. Right. And then I didn't get like the LSAT score I wanted. And so I'm like, okay, I should just take a year to study. And looking back on that, taking a gap year was like the best thing I did because I allowed myself some time to make sure law school is what I really wanted to do. I gave myself time to work and like actually make money and be a person, not just a student for the first time in my life. Um, and so, yeah, that would be definitely a big like recommendation for anyone considering law school, like especially right out of undergrad. I know people who have done it but a lot of people take gap years and like, that's okay to do. Oh, it's so normal. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm always telling people to take gap years and people hate to hear it because I think everyone's on this like timeline that they've set for themselves, which is yeah. totally official. It's not real. It's just something that they have in their head. Um, Because I think the idea, especially if you've been in school your whole life, the idea of taking a year and doing nothing sounds like so foreign and weird, but I've never talked to anyone. They're like, I'm so mad I took a gap year. Everyone's always happy oh. they did it and didn't rush. Yeah other quick things with uh i am curious about extracurriculars slash other stuff you said you did the basketball team um are most of the extracurriculars like law review and moot court is that like for um two l's and three l's or do you guys get involved with that um so they introduced it to us a little bit they had like uh members of like moot court uh and law review come into like our profound class and talk about it so we got a little bit of a taste of what it's like so we can start thinking about if that's something we want to do um but they kind of recommend we keep our extracurriculars down a little bit our first year because your first year is supposedly the hardest like you're learning how to be a law student and absorbing so much knowledge um and but so they're kind of like things to think about your second year uh Gonzaga has a lot of really great clubs though um and so I'm a part of a few um I think one of my favorites is it's called street law I think there's some other law schools who do it too um but you're on a team of like four or five like my three really good friends are on a team with me and then we have a gal she's a 2L who's on our team and so uh every two weeks we go into a local high school and we teach a lesson on like constitutional law that's kind of applicable to high school students um so we've done some on like free speech um like search and seizures and stuff like that um and that's a lot of fun it kind of gets you out in the community um it counts towards like our 30 hours of uh like community service that we have to have to graduate. Um, so that's been a really fun one to do. And the workload really isn't that bad. Um, you just prepare the lesson, kind of like distribute parts of it, go through it a few times, and then go to the schools. Um, and the kids really love it. And it's really fun to connect with high school students. Um, and they seem really interested in it. Right. Um, and then we're pretty lucky. The teacher of the students who we teach, he went to Gonzaga Law. Um, he did private practice for a few years and then he just didn't really like, he didn't really love it. And so then he went and got his teaching certificate and now he's a teacher and he loves that. Sure. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Um, I'm in one called the women's law caucus and that's really cool. Um, I'm in one, oh, I'm in criminal law society. And in the spring, we're going to do like a jail tour, like a prison tour. Um, and so I would definitely recommend clubs to one else. Um, it's very pretty low time commitment, but it kind of gets you building connections and meeting um, like upperclassmen too. Um, and then maybe like your 2L or your 3L year, you can kind of run for offices of stuff like that. 
Um, yeah. And then I did the intramural basketball team. That was really fun. Um, I know some of the guys in my class, they have like a football team they're doing. Um, and so you can kind of like make your own things. I know there's also a run club. Um, and so there's a lot offered and it's good to get kind of involved in that. And I think a big thing that I've found with joining clubs and like intramurals is meeting like older, like two L's or three L's because they can kind of bring a lot of insight to law school and they know what being a one L is like. And so they can tell you, you're going to be fine. Like everybody feels like this. Um, and so that's really helpful to have older, older law students too, to kind of help mentor you. So extracurriculars are great. Um, I'm very glad that I've done them, but it's also important not to get yourself like too invested in them because right. like your studies come first. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it does help with, um, like you said, the criminal law society without knowing anything about it. I mean, if you know, two L's and three L's and then they graduate and then go like work out like the DA's office or some like criminal defense firm, having those connections, I'm sure goes a long way in terms of, um, figuring out what you do post-grad because then you can like, I don't know, reach out to them, talk to them, see like, hey, what's going on? Because I'm guessing a lot of the people that get underemployed are folks that don't really put themselves out there and don't know anyone because then they graduate and they're just like, where do I even go? Because if you're shooting yeah. out resumes on Indeed, you're probably like kind of done that. Um, <laughs> at least everyone I know who like, applies for jobs by just like spamming out resumes on LinkedIn and Indeed, it just doesn't go well. Because I think you're like a pot, you're one application among like 500 where Whenever yeah. I applied for jobs, it's been a long time, but I would just go to, um, I would like try to find a place I wanted to work. And then I would just like email the person in charge. Cause like, then you're the only person and you're not competing with anyone, which is so much easier when you have no yeah. competition. Um, and well, that's, it sounds like you have a lot of extracurriculars. That's more than I would have expected for the average person. Um, are you able to like manage all that pretty well and have it take a backseat to school? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not like, in. I like, for example, I'm not in run club. Like I just threw that one out there. Cause I know that was a pretty popular one. Um, but I'm in, yeah, like the street law one, that one's pretty manageable. Cause again, that's only every other week. And then, okay. uh, we don't do it like during finals week. And so that's really helpful too. Um, and some clubs are a lot more involved than other clubs too. Like they're not all doing something every single week. Some of them are like once a month or one big event every semester. Um, but yeah, it is pretty manageable. The meetings are always during the lunch hour, like 12 to one, and nobody has classes during that time. So you never have to like fork out extra time for the meetings. And then usually activities will be like Friday afternoons or something like that. Um, and so yeah, time commitment is pretty easy. And then the thing about like clubs is if you don't want to go to a, an event as a 1L, you don't have to. Right. Um, and so just kind of like keeping yourself in check with that and being like, okay, do I have time to do this? Or do I have the energy to do this? And if you don't, then it's okay. You don't have to go. Um, and then like even basketball, uh, we had games on Sundays and then we would maybe do a practice like once or twice a week, depending on what everyone's schedule allowed. Um, but it's so like, like the clubs are so low key and you just kind of have to remember they're there for fun to kind of just get your mind off of like law school for a little bit um yeah, yeah. and nice. I mean like the run club for example like the run club uh a couple of my friends were in it for a while but then it seemed like it always turned into just like only talking about law school so then they kind of quit going because to a point you kind of just want to go somewhere where you don't feel like a law student because that's I mean all you are for so so many hours of the week um so just finding things to do that make you feel like a normal person and can, can like get your mind off of school. Um, those are really important too. Like that's kind of what basketball was for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, having those, I guess, non, you don't want to be law school for 40 hours and then the 20 hours, <laughs> not that you'd socialize for 20 hours, but either way, you don't want to then just be talking about law school all day eventually. Yeah. And uh, I don't have a ton more. I do have one question because I was a poli sci major. It was one of my majors back in undergrad. And I used to have this amusing phenomenon. I would watch the um, the Bernie kids debate the turning point, which is like a right-wing thing. And they would just go at it, at each other. Is there any of that in law school? I know there's the uh, Federalist Society, but is there any like left-wing equivalent? And do those kids like spar in class or is it more professional than the undergraduate class? Um, it kind of depends on like what we're talking about and how I think a big part is how like law professors approach stuff too. Sure. Um. 
like my criminal law professor and I feel like a lot can go on in like the criminal law class he uh he actually used to teach at Georgetown really really cool guy um like for example during like our homicide unit um like he wouldn't cold call at all for that and so it would mainly be like him lecturing and then if anybody had anything to say like they could raise their hand but so yeah, that was really yeah. cool how they, he did that um for like the sexual crime unit he did it where he would just like post a recording and then we could watch it on our own um and so I feel like in those like really sensitive topics people are pretty well behaved or wait, the, what was that people are well behaved or the professor just yeah keeps people it are well behaved um like there was like in torts I think we were going over like the attractive nuisance doctrine which is regarding like trespassing children um and there was a lot of debate on that on whether you know like kids should know better on not to go somewhere or if landowners should actually like owe them a higher duty um so there was actually quite a bit of debate on that now that I'm thinking of it and I mean like some of the arguments I'm just like okay that one's maybe okay but then some arguments I'm like yeah I don't even know how you got there but everyone is their own person whatever um so there is here and there but a lot of times like professors they don't have time for that kind of stuff so they're like okay we're moving on like, right I mean they don't want their class to get hijacked by like an argument over like is taxation like constant yeah so that's like where, where we go down but um uh, yeah. I, I I just would think that in law school I mean you're touching um you know, a lot of it's probably boring and old, but some of it I think is relevant to like what's going on in terms of politics and people have their strongly held opinions. So I just remember always having that in like um my undergrad poli-sci courses. And all it would take is like one or two kids on each side of the political spectrum that felt like they, it, like this class was debate class. It's like, guys, uh, you're totally fine to have your opinion, but like no one else cares. Um, I know, yeah. Which like I always thought it was funny because it's like I, I enjoyed watching them go at each other. Um, I remember one, it was in a Western philosophy class that I took as like a sophomore, and it was um about we were reading Marx and one kid, um, he was talking about like how communism was terrible. And he's like, Oh yeah, the Chinese killed like 300 million people under their communist regime, which isn't true, it was like a hundred million. And then the like Bernie kids were like hot jumping on him for that because they're like, Oh, he's exaggerating how bad communism is. It's like, guys, like your argument is also bad because like it's still yeah. like, 100 million people. And just watching them because they, they were both dumb. And it's like one of those things where it's just like they're they're just both so out of it and talking about how I, I don't know. I just always found it amusing, but also definitely a waste of time. Like in hindsight, did I gain anything from that other than like a little bit of amusement? Probably not. Um, but it's it's good that it sounds like most people are. I mean, you would think people are more mature and grown in the average block class and the average poli sci class. Um you'd hope so. Yeah, you, you would hope so. Um Although I have to imagine there's probably a moment or two throughout the semester. I won't ask you to like name anything, but you know, you have goofballs that say goofball things. So I'm sure that's out there. Um, yeah, I guess other than that, what courses are you taking in the spring? Do you have your schedule all set up? Yeah. So uh, we'll have like legal research and writing again, um, profound again, and then I'll have uh, constitutional law, property and contracts. So those three like doctrinal classes, those are those are tough ones, is what everybody says. Um, but I don't know. You kind of just have to do it, you know, at that point. You kind of just develop that mentality of like, okay, I have to do this, so I'm I'm gonna get through it. Um, so those are my classes for next semester. Um, they should be good. I mean, I don't really know anything about those three topics. Right. So it'll be a lot of learning, but I think a lot of people are in the same boat and from what I've heard the professors we have are really good and so I'm sure it'll be okay yeah it's uh I mean it's one of those things where you just don't know until you get in like hearing property or contracts um I don't know maybe it's just like arrogance like having not gone and I'm sure it is having not gone through I'm like contracts that's got to be easy the words say what they mean um <laughs> and that's it and I, I don't know that's like I think probably I'm good at the LSAT and probably would not well I don't know I think I would be a good lawyer but also I think I wouldn't I don't know. I, I have a lot of like, I think takes that wouldn't go well in the legal profession. Like I think precedent is the dumbest thing ever. Um, so, like, which I, I don't know, maybe I just don't understand the arguments for it. It's totally possible. But like, if precedent was a thing, wouldn't we still like have Plessy v. Ferguson? Like, I don't know. There, I know. I know. Bad... Yeah, we, we actually like taught about precedent in a straight law class. And like kids were asking that they were like, well, how come like this doesn't necessarily like 
matter, but this does. So I don't know. I yeah, think I mean, the only question we'll never have an answer to. You have to apply it selectively or else we get to like really bad outcomes. Like otherwise we would like still have slavery and stuff because that was precedent. And I, I get that you can apply it selectively and like evolve it. But to me, that just seems inconsistent at that point. It's like, why even have the concept? Uh, which like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know much about the Supreme Court and I'm probably going to trigger a lot of people by saying this, but I do have to say that I think Clarence Thomas is like my favorite just because he says precedent is dumb. I don't like it. I'm like, that's my dude. I don't know about the rest of it. I hear there's some correction stuff. I don't know if that has merit to it because I don't follow politics or anything like that stuff. I think it's bad for your mental health. Um, And also you can't do anything about it. But from what I understand, I'm just like, He's making a good point with that. Precedent is dumb. Um, yeah, he has a lot of good, good like dissenting opinions too. So he knows what yeah, he's well, talking about. And that's the other thing that you hear with. Um, I mean, I'm not super into it, but you hear people like really criticize the Supreme Court. It's like, pretty sure these nine folks are pretty smart, regardless of like whether or not you disagree with them. They're not just like pulling things out of a hat. <laughs> I hear a lot about like how the Supreme Court is like bought like politically. I'm like, I think you can disagree with them and have like very strong disagreements on like their I guess philosophy, but I don't think they're just making shit up because like. Uh, someone told them to but yeah no I don't I don't, I don't think so but. maybe I'm the clueless one that doesn't get it but I don't think so I think the people that just assume that anyone that disagrees with them must be bought you're probably the clueless one because <laughs> people can legitimately disagree on things and that's okay but yeah I don't know um the Supreme Court does strike me as a weird institution though the fact that it's just like when they die is like who gets to be on it which I don't know I know but that's our system we have a lot of silly things that we just like locked in and then it's like that's how it is now we're going with it which I guess points to us for consistency, which is fun. Um, yeah, are there any, I'd say, like, unique Washington law things that you've learned having gone to school there? Or is it, because I know, like, Louisiana has, like, wacky laws. I'm not sure. I don't know anything beyond it's wacky. But are there any things you've learned about Washington in particular? Not really. Um, no, not really, honestly. I mean, in, like, in bigger like legal cases like Washington kind of follows the majority of everything else too which kind of makes it like easy to learn but I haven't really like found anything like like any weird laws but I'll have to do that that would be interesting yeah it is interesting seeing the ones like on the books from like the 1800s um, I know there's some crazy ones my favorite one is uh so I was born in Tucson Arizona and there's a law that I think women can't wear pants um and it's still on the books it's just not enforced because like they haven't like repealed it but it's like you're still theoretically not allowed to wear pants if you're a woman they could like write you a ticket which i'm sure that would immediately be struck down if it like went up the that's so weird but like there, there's stuff like that that's just still on the books because no one's bothered to um i guess change and, like wh why bother to change if no one's enforcing it um but yeah i guess we'll wrap things up pretty quick i want to let you get off to whatever you have to do over um your break I guess, do you have any advice you would give to anyone currently going through the application process or even if they're done with the applications, but they're preparing to enter law school, do you have any advice for them? Um, I think if you're going through the application process, the best thing that I would like give you, <clears throat> sorry, as advice is to kind of just trust the process and enjoy it. Um, looking back on it, I wish I kind of would have just taken things a little bit slower and enjoyed where I was at because like, where you're at right now in the application process, like this is probably where you wanted to be like one or two years ago. And so just allowing yourself to be in the moment and appreciate all the hard work you've done and like all the good that you're going to do and believe that like, it's all gonna pay off, it's gonna be okay. Um, and for example, like maybe if you had like a bad LSAT score, like, oh, well, you don't even have to tell anyone about that if you don't want to. Um, I know for me, I always felt a lot of pressure from my parents. And so that was really hard for me. But you just have to trust that like, it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but like, this is your journey. This is your path. Like, this is your thing that you're doing and you're going to be fine. Um, and so, yeah, just allow, let yourself trust the process. Like, it's going to work out. Um, get a good tutor. I think that was the thing that I didn't do my first time around with the LSAT. And then I got my score back and it wasn't great and then at that point I was like okay I need someone to help me and then that's when I contacted Ben and then everything else from there got so much easier um and it's okay to ask for help and not have to do it yourself because the LSAT is really hard and it's supposed to be hard um and then like if you're getting acceptances and whatnot like also appreciate that and you're gonna look back on it and be like that was so cool. You know, like even now as a 1L, I look back to my LSAT experience and it was really hard, but I'm glad I went through it. 
Um, so yeah, just believe in yourself, trust the process. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Um, even your parents who have probably kind of maybe like told you what to do forever. Like you don't have to right. listen to them right now at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would just say, you're the yeah. worst with law school admissions because so often it's like you have to go this year you've taken you've studied for the LSAT for six months why are you not attending and it's just like yeah. it's a hundred thousand dollar decision if you rush it um which yeah. I don't know are you ever going to earn two hundred thousand dollars a year in your life most people won't I mean some of you probably will but um, like take the year get a higher LSAT it's such so worth it and then you know in hindsight then you don't have this like giant worry about like what would have been had I done this the right way because you just exactly. you don't have I'm sure you won't have what ifs 10 years from now because you did it correctly. You didn't like screw anything up. Um, and yeah, just going off that, um, one part of me, or I felt like I heard something about the LSAT in there. I'm assuming no one mentions the LSAT in law school, right? Like it's just flash and behind you, or is there any conversation about it? Um, there was a couple people and like, they're kind of just one of those ones who I think will always just go back and forth on stuff. They were talking about their scholarships that they got and, this one gal got a like significantly higher scholarship and this other person, but her LSAT score was lower. And so like, there is talk about that, but it, like once you're in law school, like, yeah, it's behind it doesn't you. really matter. Like it's behind you. You did it. Like we're all here. We're all kind of like once, like on your first day of law school, like you're all starting at the same point in a way, like no one's better than anyone else at that point. Um. So yeah, it, it like, it's gonna be done and over with at some point and like when I was studying for the LSAT it became like my whole life and then now I'm like I never have to think about it again and right, so, yeah, so just like you. knowing that it's gonna be fine and like someday you're never gonna have to worry about it is like honestly freeing <laughs> yeah and it, I, I think like well the LSAT is not amazing um there are good things about it like I think the, the biggest thing really tough is like are you an organized person that can do a hard task it's less so about the actual material although I do think some of the material that matters like I mean looking back at the reading comp passages obviously the answers are tricky but the actual like subject matter is fairly interesting I think about most of the passages where it's like people will like tell me how much they hate like this 18 um sentence passage I'm like have you seen like the law books that law students read it's only going to get worse um or I posted and I don't know if you follow me so on Instagram. I think most people purge the account once they're done, which makes sense. Cause like, why would you? No, I, I still follow you. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. I, people stick with it. But um, I posted like two weeks ago, like loss was harder than the LSAT, which I thought was uncontroversial. I thought like everyone knew that. And I got so many people saying, no, it's not. I'm like, are you sure? Like, have you been to law school? And are you, or are you just some goofball who's taking the LSAT and expects it to get, I mean, I, I guess real quick, would you say that law school is harder than the LSAT as an overall rule? Overall, yeah. I think like one reason why the LSAT was so hard and maybe why it's so hard for so many people is like, I didn't have the option to only study for the LSAT when I was studying. Like right. I, the first time I was doing it, I was also going to school full time. I was working almost 30 hours a week. And then like, and then I was having to study for the LSAT and that's where it got hard. But um, I think like if you were only studying for the LSAT itself, it would be not that bad um so yeah LSAT is or I mean law school is harder than the LSAT but they're just they're different but yeah, yeah no it it gets harder after the LSAT well, I guess the like, subject matter is really hard <laughs> like even if you get like a 94 percent in terms of like just looking at percentage scores on the LSAT that's like not that good in terms of a scaled score I think it's like a 160 something um so you really need to like crush the LSAT to get like that those really high scores and um and maybe that's where people think it's hard but I was just thinking more in terms of like time invested like if you really want to crush the LSAT I'd say like maybe two to three hours a day um you can do more but I find most people have trouble sticking with like their mental um sharpness whereas I, I guess if you I mean if you showed up at 8 30 a.m and you left by noon every day for law school it's you're just not going to be doing hot it's just going to go downhill so fast um so yeah it's one of those things where I think there are fair critiques logic games is going away which um, not to go back to your, not to like traumatize you too much with the visit back to the LSAT, but were you good at the games? I, I feel like you did pretty well or. Yeah. And I feel like once I started working with you, that's where I got way better, at, way better at them with like strategizing. And one thing that I'm really bad about is sometimes I make things harder than they really are. Sure, and then the you really helped me like, that. don't overcomplicate this. Like it, like just work through it. 
Um, and so I got a lot better at the logic games and I think I got a lot of points there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Are they just adding in another logical reasoning? Yeah. Section? So it's going to be two LR sections and one reading comp. Um, okay. LSAC says that supposedly scores are going to stay the same, which is probably true on average. Like I think the uh, like average 155 will still be a 155. What I'm curious about is how that, how are people going to score 175 to 180s? Cause even as someone who like is really good at the LSAC, like I often don't score below like 175 if I take a practice test now, not that I often do, but, um, it just doesn't happen. Uh, where I miss questions. I never miss questions in games. I can still miss a reading comp or an LR because like I get tripped up on something. So I do think at the very top, the scores are going to come down despite LSAC not expecting. I mean, maybe they'll balance the, maybe they'll be more forgiving in terms of how many questions you can miss. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to suck. Like I, I found yeah. logic games be like the mental break during the test where it's like, okay, um, this is different. I'm not reading. I'm just kind of like doing puzzles for 35 minutes, but. Right. And like every once in a while you get some like, crazy game but the thing with like logic games is a lot of times they're like the same game just like shifted around a little bit from like a practice test yeah that makes sense. yeah i mean if you're putting five variables in order it's while well, like the variables are different and the rules are different the skills are all the same and even on those weird like really weird games like there's one where you have to put people in a circle which is hard oh, i remember those and there's another um well, I'm trying to think which one. Well, there's the buildings game. People really struggle on that. But often these like really hard ones, if you just figure out, there's like one thing that if you see in your diagram, it just like answers the question. Like there's the dinosaur game, which is notorious. I was just going to say that. And there, there's one inference where I think if you figure out that one of the dinosaurs has to be a certain color, it just like breaks the game and you do the whole game in like five minutes. And it goes from like being the hardest game of all time to being relatively straightforward. And it just comes down to having a diagram. So I don't know. It's one of those things where people were kind of dancing on the grave of logic games. And I think it's just people that have only taken a diagnostic and really haven't studied that much. Cause like, yeah, game sucks when you sit down with it, but you get good at it so fast. If you're um, at least like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure where you were scoring logic games, but pretty well, but like to get to perfection on games versus perfection on LR, it's just such a easier mountain to climb. And uh, that's why I think scores are going to go down. And I, but mean, I did pretty well on LR too, but yeah. I mean, like having two of those would be a lot and then reading comp would be a lot. Like both or yeah, I well, always had- It's worse somehow, than that. Four somehow things. on the LSAT, I always had two reading comp sections, yeah. which obviously one of them was experimental, but like you don't, you're done reading. Like you don't want to read anymore, but- Yeah, well, that's where it also hurts. You don't get that mental break of like, I just yeah. don't have to read. Um, Cause now it's going to be- I mean, it's going to be two LRs, one reading comp, and then a, you're, you're still going to have the experimental, which is either going to be another LR or another reading comp. Oh. I wouldn't know which is better at that point because it sounds terrible either way. Um, <laughs> nice. But like, I, I'm good at the LSAT. I think that even I would have, I, I don't know about fatigue. That's probably not the right way to put it, but like you're not as mentally sharp on section four as you are in section one, regardless of how good you are. Um, things do just deteriorate because at that point, you're, you've been sitting there for two and a half hours um, you've had to deal with the proctor getting you in if you're taking it online. I think in person, everyone wants to take it in person. I don't get it. I think taking it online is easier. But um, but either way, the point is, is that you've gone through your day, whether that's going through the proctor or commuting to the test site, you're two and a half hours in and you have another section to do and it's more reading. Like, I don't know. To me, that just sounds horrible. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe scores will go up. I really doubt it. But that is what everyone seems to be. I keep posting about it because it's engaging well on Instagram. Um, partly because people like in the comments and they start yelling at me like, no, games is really hard. It's going to get easier, uh, which is good for the algorithm. So um, they are fueling me when they argue with me, but it's, I don't know, maybe I'm part of the problem with like social media, but it does well. So, you know, blame the system. Um, but yeah, fun stuff there. Well, I guess um, I will let you go. Do you have any final thoughts to wrap things up or do you feel like you covered your law school experience fairly well um I think I've covered it pretty well so far um I think going to law school is definitely unlike any other thing that you will ever do and everyone always tells us that um and then another thing that like I want to say is like take care of your mental health like whether that's when you're studying for the LSAT or when you're in law school like it's so important and so you just kind of have to know when to let yourself have a break and like with the LSAT, that's so important because you don't want to get burned out. I think 
towards the end of my studying I was kind of just getting burnt out and to the point where I was like I want to be done I'm so over this um and so yeah just kind of like listen to your body listen to your brain because if you're just making yourself work while you're burnt out it's not going to get better and like your scores are going to drop and then also like don't freak out if your scores are dropping a little bit because I remember I had a couple where like my scores weren't doing very good before I took it and I remember like emailing you Ben and being like I'm freaking out like why is this happening and it I was just burnt out so like don't be afraid to maybe just give yourself a little bit more time off or instead of studying for like three hours a day maybe just do like one and that's better than nothing so yeah and yeah. I mean if you're doing an hour of good work you get a lot done um yeah. yeah it's so funny people really do freak out about scores dropping whereas it's part of just natural variance some days you're going to get your 50 50s right other days you're not um I've also been doing a lot of question type stuff which I, I really discourage but people want it and like you got to give the market what it wants um of like doing weekend questions in a row but because of that I've been categorizing all the different question types and some tests have like five parallel questions and the next will have like one so like it I didn't notice that just doing them because I don't really do sections that much but going through and writing it all out I was like whoa they really like mix it up a lot test to test so if you just like a parallel questions you get that test might be bad news for you uh, and I can immediately drop and it is scary it's scary because like you have no idea what you're gonna get but like I said like also once you take it, just try not to think about it because you don't know how you yeah. did. And so it's not worth like stressing out about. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, and oh. yeah, good luck in the rest of law school. 